Welcome back to Shred is Not Dead. If it makes you bang your head, we'll talk with him or about him. I'm joined today by the director of drumming, symbol hitter in chief of Hailstorm, RJ Hale. <laughs> How are you, buddy? Shred is not dead. That's right. No <laughs> truer statement has ever been said. <laughs> you come up with that <laughs> just like. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I'm good. What can I say? Impressive. <laughs> I, 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 Thanks for you having me. Work out some royalty deals for that little soundbite you provided me as well. Oh, feel free to use it all you want. I don't care. I'm 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 for free. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want to tell the Aussie fans the good news, or shall I? Uh, why don't Why don't you? It's your show. You intro it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, for those of you who don't know, Hailstorm coming out soon. Three nights in Australia, two nights in New Zealand. What? Headlining. Did I get that right? Yeah, no, you know, you nailed it. <laughs> oh, right. oh, yeah, this is the so, first anyway. you've heard of it. Yeah, okay. Th- to be honest, you would probably know more than me at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know. Um, now I know. Cool. <laughs> last time out here was, if I got this right, back in 2019. And you did the download tour earlier in the year and liked it so yeah. much. You came back to headline later in the same year. I know. I was really glad that we got to hit it twice Uh right before everything was taken away from us for so long you know so i'm really excited to get back this will be our first time back there post covid and i'm so i'm just so excited to come to australia i i don't just say that about anywhere like for real australia is like one of those places that i go to and i'm like you know if it doesn't really work out with america i could live here you know like it i i feel like i could move to australia and not even skip a beat i just love it down there yeah why is that what is it about Australia that works oh for you? My, I mean, what isn't about Australia? I love the weather. I love um, the being near the ocean. I love uh, I, I love the the food. Oh my god! Like I feel like I just I eat so well in Australia. Like I can stumble in any local. Like I feel like in most places there's not a McDonald's in sight. You know, like I feel like I stumble into like a local coffee shop or breakfast place or whatever sandwich shop, salad shop. And I can like find really wholesome, delicious, like unprocessed, um, free range, ethically done and like low, um, uh, uh, GMO, low, uh, preservative pesticide. I just, everything is just so much. Well, it, it's just done so much better out there. Like the, the way that you guys, your agriculture system is just so much better than ours out here. And, and the proof is in how it makes me feel like when I well, last summer in Australia, we were there for a couple of weeks and I was eating so well down there. When we flew back home, we had a layover in New York and I got a sandwich at a local shop there and my stomach was hurting like crazy. Like I felt like shit. I was like, oh my God, I'm going back to this crap processed American <laughs> food you know so that's a big part of it and of course the the major part of it and this is not just me sucking up like for real like the the culture down there like people are so incredibly nice and friendly and and empathetic and i'm seeing so much of that is just so so obvious when when i see uh what's going on down there right now with the flooding and all that like in the local communities i'm just seeing everybody pitching in everybody helping out um everyone looking out for one another and that's just like just it just gets it just makes me just it just reassures me that the people down there are are so good and so uh thoughtful of one another yeah i mean we're certainly not perfect but i'd like to think that that sort of nobody is mateship is the quality that we do have on our side that's uh 
It's good. This actually touches on something I was going to bring up close to the end of the interview, but you know, you script these things out and they never go the way you expect. So oh, sorry. let's get into the, off the train. No, no, this is something I want to talk about. <laughs> Drumming. I'm sure you want to talk about it too. So you mentioned, if I have to. You mentioned <laughs> that it felt good to be in Australia and that, and I mean, you know about our weather, having played two outdoor festivals in the summertime, um, you know, drumming's a physical art. It's brutal. Um, it requires almost an athletic kind of dedication to it as maybe more so than the rest of the band or maybe bar singing, which can be really no, you're, you're dead on aerobic yeah. intensities. So that wasn't an issue for you. You found even with the heat and with being out in the element playing that that was something that's not, it's not stopping you anytime soon from going somewhere to play or. Well, you know, the, the heat doesn't really bother me at all. I think, I think I'm, I'm pretty well conditioned for that. Cause you're right. I, I, I like for the past several years, I've been trying to think like an athlete, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, one of the reasons I love about Australia is that like, I can eat really healthy. I can get outside and exercise. I can hit a local gym. And I've been, that's just been a part of my daily touring routine is uh, just trying to adopt healthier lifestyle changes. And that's the only way for me to continue you know, giving my body the punishment that I give it from the style of drumming that I have acquired. And now I've kind of made my bed. Now I have to live in it as, uh, is I have to, I, I have to do all the necessary steps, uh, outside of that to, to, so I can continue to play and perform the way that I want. You know, mm. I don't want to have to be forced to, to feather tap because I, uh, you know, I, I know that our sound guy, he wants me to hit the drums as hard as I possibly can. And, and for years before, like, you know, even even adopting healthier lifestyles, I've, uh, you know, every single hit, I could feel it. Like it, it hurt. And it just like was just really just kind of getting into my mind when I would go on stage and think like, oh, fuck, like this is going to hurt. Like, ah, oh, shit. Um, but luckily, and this was a, kind of a silver lining of the pandemic was it, it as as much as it was hard on a lot of us. And I feel mostly for the music goers that you know we found out how therapeutic live music really is and also for the crew people like the techs and all that who solely depend on live music but as a band person like we can do other things outside of touring and we'll be fine you know don't feel bad for us but one one of the uh even even though it was it definitely was weird like our whole life was flipped upside down but one of the uh silver linings was just having the the time to kind of uh focus on my physical health and mental health and as well as many other things you know um so i was just really focusing on rehabbing myself and now that we're going back into it i feel like a, a brand new person hitting the stage now like I, I i do my icing for my wrists my elbow my shoulder i um i take my supplements for reducing inflammation i eat in a way that keeps inflammation low um, I was diagnosed with tendonitis in my wrist from a physical therapist, and she was the one that told me about the ice baths and and it's uh, for my hands and wrists. Um, she got the idea from Max Weinberg, actually, who does that, who is, uh, you know, a beast of a drummer in well into his, I don't know how old is he, 70 or something, and still crushing it with Bruce Springsteen. So, like, that's, I, I have to look up to guys like that and people like that uh, so I can have a future continuing to do this. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, with Max, it's the case now that what his kid is would be ballpark your age and he's yeah. still crushing it. 
Like, With Slipknot now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's Jay Weiberg of Slipknot. That's a physically one. demanding gig, I think. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I mean, I don't even think that he really hides behind the other percussionists in that band. I think that you could drop them out and he'd still be carrying the percussive, percussive element, but my God. He's the hardest working guy on that stage. <laughs> oh, exactly. So from an from the point of view of someone who doesn't play drums but knows what they like when it comes to drums, having a listen to Back from the Dead, one thing that stood out to me is it really sounds like you're giving those cymbals the what for. And <laughs> the drum mix as a whole is a bit more bodied. And when you do that, one thing I'd like to ask you about is the mix and the trade-off between having this awesome percussive driving element and the way that it affects the amount of mix space you have left for the other instruments. And then, of course, the transition live, where you don't want to make it murky and like a lot of death metal bands really struggle with the drums just producing this massive ringing because of all the elements of the drums coming out yeah. and not sitting nice and tight. And then sometimes if you get it tuned in nice and tight, you have to do the really clicky, triggered double bass sound that no one really likes. So where do you I'm sit on the philosophy of that? I'm not entirely against triggers. We don't use them just because we have two incredibly badass sound engineers, our monitor guy, Chris Mo, and our SEMO, uh, we call him, and our front of house guy who's been with us since 2012, Mike Mahar, is a legend in the in the front of house audio world. You know, both of them are just badasses. They work together so well. Um, so just to kind of unpack what you were saying, I'll start from the recording process. I have a lot... Uh, a lot of that I have to thank my main co-writer, collaborator, and also uh, became uh, second producer, along with Nick Rusty-Lennox, who is a legend in the recording world. Uh, but Scott Stevens has been one of our main collaborators for, for forever. He wrote Miss the Misery with us. So, I mean, ever since back in the day. Um, <clears throat> but he was a big uh, champion for me in the studio, uh, encouraging everyone around everyone around me to just kind of let me be a little more expressive on the drums be a little less safe a little less held back i feel like most of my career producers have told me to play less dumb it down keep it simple leave a lot of space but when we were falling into that routine again uh scott and and nick both were were kind of brought to our attention that it sounds like we're just falling into the same old same old with hailstorm and it's sounding kind of stale and kind of boring so um so Scott, who I'd been writing with for Chemical Fire for this other project that I'm doing with Taylor Carroll from Lit, uh, we have we we were writing all throughout the pandemic, and and also writing for Hailstorm and doing both and doing it all. Um, he wanted I started sending him all these crazy drum files for Chemical Fire, and he's like, "Wait, you can play this stuff?" And I'm like, "Yeah, this is how I like to play," you know. And Hailstorm has always kind of been more. It's always there's always been a lot of restraint uh, with tracking for Hailstorm with what I am allowed to play or whatever. Um, and he was like, dude, you got to bring this stuff to the new hailstorm record. We need this energy. We need this aggression, you know? And, uh, and, and he was right. I think he has a really good finger on the pulse of the average rock listener that wants to hear that passionate energy rock. You brought up Slipknot. I mean, that's what, that's what makes Slipknot so great. Even to people who aren't traditionally metal fans, uh, they listen to Slipknot and they're like, I, you know what? I'm not a metal person, but I really respect what they're doing and and he kind of wanted something like that for for us you know he wanted us to bring that aggression and energy and that 
real raw emotion in the studio. So it was a challenge for me, but it was really fun. I dusted off my double pedal because I hadn't played double bass in so long. I've always been like a single bass player, um, got to do double bass again, and now I'm applying it to the live show and had to expand my drum kit and make it a lot bigger. Um, so that was the process in the studio. And then to translate live and like you said, like not make it sound muddied up, not make it sound murky and try to reduce the amount of cymbal wash. Well, one of the greatest secrets to, uh, to our state, to our live sound, and I've been telling everybody this, just try it. We actually mic the toms inside. So what we do is we cut the bottom, so we have no bottom heads. We cut the bottom heads out. We leave about an inch lip so the bottom rim can stay on. And then we mount uh, Audix D6s inside the toms, which are kick drum mics. Oddly enough, they sound phenomenal, even in my smallest 10 inch rack tom. It doesn't matter, we still have D6s. Also, uh, uh, my drum tech is is a great drum tuner, Nicky Bobby. He tunes them really low. So basically, like all my toms kind of sound like really punchy kick drums. So they're not ringy, they're very focused, very, uh, and I feel like that's, and also I'm playing smaller drum sizes. I, I, re I switched to a 20 inch kick drum. Um, and we use a 91 and a D6 in that as well. So, uh, so all those elements combined, and also our sound guy's incredible ability to gate out a lot of cymbal wash, and also the fact that our tom mics are isolated inside the toms, reducing the amount of cymbal bleed into the toms, really helps to kind of, um, like you said, like like prevent the the overall mix from sounding washed out from cymbals, which are like the loudest thing on stage. And so I feel like. All those forces combined has really just helped our overall mix live sound very focused and 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 kind of enables us to play more notes, to play more parts. And for me, especially to to go a little extra crazy on the drums without worrying about uh, the sound in an arena sounding all jumbled and 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 like you said, like just just making it sound all muddy and, and mushy. So. Um, yeah, those, those are some of the, those are some secrets I just revealed for anyone out there who's been struggling with that. I suggest you try all those things out and see if it works for you. Well, there you go. Thanks for spilling trade secrets on the show. Oh, you heard it here happy first, to folks. spill, <laughs> you know, you're, you're getting some very exclusive secrets on, on your show. I hope that this helps you and your numbers, you know? <laughs> oh, certainly hope so. I'm going to have a whole bunch of drummers that I'm not used to dealing with coming in going, oh, can you get more drummers on? This is great. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, man. Like, feel free to spread the word, you know? Speaking of plugging things, I see that YouTube subscribe button in the background there. Oh. You want to uh, go ahead and plug your show? Is it a, is it a recorded show, a live stream? What do you do? Well, whether you prompted it or not, I was going to plug it because I'm so excited. I honestly, I love making fragrance content. It's become one of my side passions because, uh, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, like during the, the pandemic, all I was doing was songwriting. And I really feel like thanks to the pandemic, I became a much stronger songwriter during this, you know, album process. And also with the Chemical Fire stuff and with everything, like I feel... Uh, much stronger, much more confident as a songwriter and as a singer, because I'm doing a lot more singing with Hailstorm and with Chemical Fire. So uh, like you were saying, like, you know, uh, drummers and singers are probably the most physically taxed people uh, in the music world. And I'm doing both. So I have to really, really like make healthy life choices. But 
something that's a really great mental therapy for me and a great distraction just from, you know, as much as much as music has been my therapy, when you do it long enough, you need a distraction from that too sometimes. So uh, during the pandemic, I started really getting into the art of perfumery. And I was like, just, just like really uh, like wanting to incorporate, like, you know, try to, you know, expand my my collection of, of fragrances that I would take with me on tour, just so like, you know, if, if you can't find a shower somewhere, at least, you know, you can smell good. And, um, and I, I was, I, I always like kind of the idea of like, when you meet fans, like you want to, you want to dress your best, you want to be engaging, you want to show them your best self. And I feel like having a really nice scent on just kind of adds to the overall experience of, uh, of interacting with, uh, with the people at the shows. So, so all those things combined and also, uh, being a fan of a lot of other fragrance content creators on YouTube kind of inspired me guys like Dallas at chaos fragrances or uh, John at refinery fragrances or Brian at my two cents. Uh, those guys I'd been following for a while. Um, and then I started making my own fragrance content and, uh, and started just kind of giving my, giving, giving my take on some of my favorite scents out there since I've dived into and explored and smelled. Cause I feel like it's uh it feels like olfactory music to me, you know? Perfumery is like the music of the nose. So I just had such a blast just sampling a bunch of things and getting a bunch of things and just like, you know, smelling them and experiencing them and, and um, putting them on. And, and it also just kind of like, it is kind of like a little stress relief, you know, when you, when you find a really good fragrance with really good performance, one that, that you can smell on you as you're out and about, you get, you can get whiffs of the sillage. It, it has this calming effect on, on your brain. At least it does for me. So, uh, I've been trying, so I wanted to start my own YouTube channel cause I've been such a advocate for mental health and I've been such a strong supporter of therapy and, and all the, and lifestyle changes and all the things that, that, that go towards, uh, you know, keeping yourself more mentally balanced. And I wanted to share my passion for perfumery as being another one of those things that, uh, that really just kind of makes me feel at ease and feel very calm. And, and, uh, and it's just a fun thing for me to do. I honestly, the, the process of recording and editing fragrance content and putting my own little silly personality into it, you know, where I feel like I really can fully become a cartoon character. Uh, that is also in itself therapeutic for me when I'm on tour. Uh, when I have downtime on tour, I love to just put my headphones in and work on my laptop when I'm not working on songs or, or working on music, like I'll edit fragrance content. And it's just been a fun little side thing for me to do. And, uh, and we're building a really cool community over there on YouTube, you know, and, and we get to interact in the comments. So, uh, so if, if, if you don't mind my plug in my channel, uh, go on over to, are we on YouTube right now? Uh, no, we'll be on Spotify. Oh, well, you know, okay. Well, we'll keep your, that's fine because when you switch from Spotify to YouTube, you can keep hearing this. So right now, while you're on your Spotify, uh, switch, uh, open up your YouTube app and search Dr. Magnificent. S Magnifi S C E N T like scent, like sense of smell and, uh, <laughs> and give me a sub if you don't mind. Like it's really fun over there. Check out some content I got. So yeah, we love a good wanna, if you want to nerd here, out and kind of get an inside look into my wacky fragrance loving, uh, inside world, you know, <laughs> excellent. Well, I think that's what we've got time for. RJ, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. We'll oh, see you. Do we run you... out of time, really? Oh, God, yeah. I'm so sorry that I, I spent most of it talking about fragrance. Was there oh, anything last minute you wanted to, to bring up before I go? Or I think we're good. I think we're good. Just if you're listening at home, get down, see RJ drum his ass yeah. off over here. 
And Can I come see the show and Actually, smell how good I smell. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, maybe I'll bring a few things with me, and I'll I'll get to share some uh, get, get to show some of the local Australians my favorite summertime scents, which I'm really oh, excited about. I'm going like there in a... February, which I'm leaving winter here and going to summer there. So I'm bringing my fresh and you know fun summer scents with me. So <laughs> you need like a t-shirt cannon, but it just blasts nice big warmth. <laughs> That's actually a really brilliant idea. <laughs> I'll start signing uh, the uh, the the fragrance blotters, you know, with the, yeah. the scents on it. <laughs> I'll give you know instead of guitar picks, I'll do that. I'll do like little fragrance strips, you know. I'll write down what the fragrance is and I'll sign it. So oh. I'll leave that somewhere in a department store. So you know, All check right. check the urinals. <laughs> I look forward to the best smelling summer tour of my life. Um, I'll catch you on the road. Thank you very much. Dude, for time, I'll see you in like two months, three months, something like that. Like something like that. Yeah. I'm Jordan and you've been listening to the Shred Is Not Dead podcast. Hailstorm hit the road starting in New Zealand next January with one show already sold out and one well on the way to selling. And then Australia in early February. Go online, get your tickets now before it's all gone. Check it out. Have a good time. Catch you in the next episode.